Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with DeMarco Barea and Lindsay Liardi, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Now, before we get now, hey guys, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Matt? Hey, great another, to be here. Another day here in the queue, as we like to say. The queue time is due time. So, uh, looking forward to talking about all the stuff that you're doing. Now, before we get started, today's episode of Start a Puzzle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, I mentioned with me today, I've got DeMarco and Lindsay, who are, we are going to talk about some very interesting stuff today, uh, pivots and experiences and and helping people and communicating in times of crisis and doing a whole lot of stuff that will be much better explained by both of them, which one of you would like to go ahead and try that. You know, I, I say ladies first. So uh, what do you think, Lindsay? You want to jump on it? Sure. Um, to start off with the beginning. At the beginning. It's a great place to start. Okay. Um, so Ask Buddy is an AI chatbot that we're working on that connects people to experiences that are personalized based on their preferences, geographical location, past experiences. So the goal is the more you use it, the better your experiences get because it's based on what you've done before and what you like. Um, and we believe that experiences are really what makes life's journey so special. And we want everyone to be able to make the most of their time, money, and life by being able to be matched with experiences that are perfect for them. Yeah. You want to take it from there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, what, what more can I say? I think Lindsay has really um, communicated um, our intention and what, what Buddy is. Um, as, as we together are building this straight out of Kansas city, you know, the heart of our country, the heart of the heart of it all. So we're hoping to be able to, um, continue working together and scaling out from Kansas city, um, to appeal to people's hearts through experiences and through buddy. Um, I think it's just been, a it's been a, quite a ride over the past three months. I mean, if anyone listening out there, listening out there knows, uh, we've all gone, gone through these big changes with time right with the pandemic that we don't really call it COVID-19 internally we call it cotton candy we believe that um the meaning that you give to things changes the reality that they are so if you change the wording if you change the meaning of something to mean something positive it now can be a source of optimism and growth for you instead of a source of of trial and and tragedy so for us the intention Speaking of what we're trying to do is as important as what we do itself. I know we got real big right there, but but go ahead. Uh, well, 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 well stated. And you know, for and for those of you listening, you know, I love it when you're interactive. I'd like you to go to askbuddy.co. Um, 
you know, since I know you just went to check out fullscale.io, you might as well go to their site too. And also, you can check them out on the gram at Ask Buddy KC. Now, we, we've actually had episodes that were very specific to experience-based marketing. Um, part of that is something we were actually talking a little bit about before we hit record. I mentioned that Full Scale has a suite at the Sprint Center, which is a local concert venue. Part of what we had done there was we had created, we wanted it to be an experience. We knew that if we provided our guests, which were entrepreneurs, investors, and uh, influencers, a good time. Like, DeMarco, if I took you to see the Backstreet Boys, even if you don't like the band, you remember the experience and therefore would remember our business. So the power of the experience and then the story that comes with it is something that has existed on this planet for thousands of years. What hasn't existed for that longer AI chatbots. So how do you go about deciding that that's what you want to do or building it or any of it? Like, I mean, what's that whole process like? So may, may I, Lindsay? So a few years ago, I knew experiences were important and I built out a mobile native app. I built myself an app. I raised money. I did the whole thing to help people find experiences, right? And then I learned tragically, like most entrepreneurs find in the current landscape of technology, that everyone has an app and you're competing with everyone advertising to download their app and their app and their app. And what I realized very quickly was that the experience of being a human and interacting with other humans, what makes it really special is the back and forth, the dialogue, the conversation, because it's give, get, give, get, take, give. It's the back and forth. It's the energy that gets created. And I realized very quickly that a static app, besides being extremely difficult to, to compete, to get everybody to download another app on their phone that they don't really need, um, the experience of just a static app didn't really do it for people as much. So we said, we, we went to, back to the drawing board this past year when I met uh, Lindsay and Andy. And I said, you know what? I love getting together with people at dinners, and at lunches, and at concerts, maybe even at the Backstreet Boys, because yes, I do like it that way as well. Um, and I realized that the magic of life is not really in the things that we do, but in the interaction with the people in the thing that we're doing. That's the experience. So technology now with chatbots allows us to have a two-way conversation or to emulate a two-way conversation that makes that actual discovery of the experience so much more engaging. And it learns along the way who we are. And then we learn who we are through that dialogue. So it really transitioned from like a static mobile app that told you how to find great experiences in a city to a conversational uh, platform that you can really truly feel that you're participating in something bigger than just finding something by yourself like on Google. You know, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, you talked about there being a lot of apps. There are 4 million total apps in the app store, 3 million of which are non-gaming and just under, actually, it's just over 3 million non-gaming and then not uh, just over 900,000 gaming related apps. So, I mean, really saying that you're one in a million, you're one in 4 million. Um, and, and, you know, the whole, the, everything has an app these days, 
And, and, you know, that's, I mean, some of them are great and some of them are not apps are what they are. I mean, we, everyone uses them, but I, you know, one of the things that I, I talk to early stage people about is like, just cause you build it, it isn't a field of dreams because you build it does not mean they will come. Word. So, and maybe, maybe we'll let Lindsay field that question or so, so whether it was the old app or the new one, how other than the startup hustle podcast, and once again, welcome, um, or, or people going to askbuddy.co, how are you going to get this into the hands of people? Yeah, that is a really challenging question. And I'm sure that it's a challenging question for a lot of startups. Uh, how are you going to get that user acquisition and people engaged and interested with your, your product and your platform? Um, and one of the challenges that we're finding is how to communicate what we're selling because it is a little bit advanced. And like we were discussing the AI chat bot, um, my hope is that we're going to gain users because they're going to see what we're doing and get excited about it. So a lot of social media um, campaigns and um, also to all three of us, DeMarco, myself and Andy, relationship building is extremely important and if I might say one of our strong suits, we just love building relationships. So while it may seem tedious to build relationships one by one, I think that is something we're kind of striving for. Um, and I'd like to add about the AI chatbot piece of it. What sets us apart is that planning process that you go through when you're traveling or even day tripping or even just trying to find an experience as a local you tend to, or I know that I do, go to many different websites and kind of search for what fits you and what you're looking for, maybe what your group size is or the vibe that you're trying to find for that night or day. Um, the AI piece of it, it takes all of that information for you and puts it in one place and communicates that to you. So it's really speeding up that planning process of finding what experiences you want to participate in. Yeah. I, I used to have a, back when I worked for other people and not myself, I had a job where I traveled uh, one year, I traveled 180 days. Wow. And now this was, this was before a lot of the tech that's out now. Um, and, you know, the, I mean, the struggle is real, you know, and here's the thing is the, uh, I was covering 13 states of a sales territory and, you know, like, and once again, the, the uh, sophistication of the internet was not what it is now and phones and apps and stuff didn't exist. And, you know, here you roll in and I'm in my early thirties at this point and I'm rolling into, I don't know, we'll use the greatest state you could ever visit in February, North Dakota. Yeah. And, and you're there on a Saturday night and you're like looking for something to do. And the only thing you've got, you could ask someone at the hotel or you, there's like other stuff and you're like, I'm not trying to go river rafting or you're asking the hotel, the, the waitress at the restaurant or whatever. So, you know, I mean, this kind this kind of stuff, I think for the general user experience of anybody visiting a city is a challenge. I think the challenge that's going to come with that too, is if I'm new to a city, who, how do I know to ask buddy? But yeah. Uh, so, so, so now with that, does buddy have plans of visiting other cities as well, or like get it right in KC and then, and then he'll move everywhere or. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, may I, Lindsay? Thank you. So, 
originally with that app that I told you about that we had, we had actually scaled out into seven cities. And that's when I realized, oh my God, this is not actually scalable, you know? Um, so we took it back to the drawing board and I realized the the whole thing about scaling, whether it's half scale or full scale, go to check that out, check out their website, guys, fullscale.io. Um, the important thing is- you You're hired. Yeah, thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, so are you. So you scale when you're ready with your metrics. Whatever you scale, you will scale the efficiencies and you will also scale the inefficiencies. So for us, it's really important to document and get the right process down in Kansas City first before we expand our sales and marketing plan. That being said, our technology is already globally integrated because instead of somebody having to visit the local media website for for this city and this city and going to Google and going to Yelp and going to OpenTable and asking their friends and then asking a bartender. And what, let's not talk about the human element, just the, 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 the big data. We already are integrating the third, the, the big data into buddy. So when somebody, instead of ser- searching um, for a, a great mixology bar, cause they just flew into Kansas city. Yeah, sure. You and me and Lindsay know, you know, send them to Monarch if they like the if they like the upscale kind of vibe. If they want something a little bit more divey, you know, they they go to they go to Lucky Boy, you know, uh, down on the West Bottoms. But that we know because of the human element, right? The big data automatically integrates through Ask Buddy, so that when somebody's talking to Buddy and chatting and looking for an experience, they're getting all the data from Google, Yelp, OpenTable through the third-party APIs. But what we're really excited about is we have a a local recommendation system built in. So we get locals to participate through our interviews and through through our platform to give us their recommendations of their favorite bars, their favorite restaurants, their favorite attractions. And so we build what's called a local recommendation score into these experience recommendations. And it really reveals something that is missing in a lot of big data, global third party platforms, which is that kind of like that authenticity or like what you res- what you expect as a traveler to get from a bartender. You go to a bar and you're like, hey, what are, what are the five dopest bars here in, here in this city that I've never been here before? So we are actually, you know, getting that information through direct relationships with those local trendsetters and stakeholders. That's a big part. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that slows down the process of getting all the data to be able to serve the user but what it's also doing is that it's really giving a sense of authentic locality, which is what we're all looking for at the end of the day. We're not just looking for a bar. We're not just looking for the best bar. We're looking for something that is a perfect fit for me and that is a place that a local can put a stamp on and say, hey, this is where you got to go. And then it makes us feel like this is an experience worth having instead of just another bar that, I, that I'm having a drink at that I just flew into this town. Yeah, I think a lot of that, you know, from a traveler's perspective, I mean, people that, you know, gosh, how many different cities did I have I been to in a whole bunch of different travels? Like, I want some local flavor. I'm not trying to, like, go to TGI Fridays, you know, now. Now, now on the flip side, some, pe- some people actually like that consistency. I knew a lot of people that traveled like I did. And, like, so now I did. I always, I'd always stay at the Hampton Inn. Like it it just was what it was. I knew I could make a waffle in the morning and I was cool (laughs) with that. It had that level, you know, and then the main thing is when you travel that much and you wake up in the hotel and it looks the same, 
Mm. You're not like, where the fuck am I? Right. Uh, so, but yeah, the local flavor thing is, is always fun in any city. And I think a lot of people wrap their arms around it. So I, I think the question I have, you know, here on Startup Hustle is, so how, how do you monetize this? Sure. You want, Lindsay, you, me? You got it. She's egging me on. <laughs> so, so we have a couple of different monetization tactics that we validated through my previous through our previous experience in the market. Um, it's one, two, three, simple, like ABC, just like the Jackson Five, right? Number one, monthly recurring revenue, a subscription program, you know, so that the local business can be prioritized in the experiences as long as they match the user's requests. Number two, we have the experience uh, purchase platform. So it's very simple. Airbnb, you can buy experiences, correct? So they get a cut off of any experience that's sold. So we have the same thing. We allow our local business partner to upload their experiences. We curate and we qualify. Obviously, the experiences need to meet a certain pre-qualification. They need to meet a certain um, a certain editorial, if, if you want to say, or curatorial uh, component. And so we're able to sell, generate revenue for the business and just get a small percentage. And then finally, if neither the subscription model or the uh, revenue share model for the experience sale is attractive, we also have a, uh, a cost per click model. So that if a business just wants to um, be listed and get some clicks that go to either their phone number or to their website or to an RSVP page, then they can engage us on a cost per click model as well. Does that require you having to, have you thought about like, does that require you having to negotiate advertising or sponsorship with hundreds or thousands of different places? Or is that something that's able to be plugged in on a larger, larger level? I mean, you mentioned a lot of third party APIs and stuff like that. I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know if like booking, like, cause I think open table gets like a dollar a booking or something. So is that what it is? Is it a dollar? I think it's right. It varies depending on the market and depending on the, the actual relationship that they have with the restaurant. They're usually, right. Actually, Open Table gets anywhere between uh, a standard fee of anywhere between two and $500 a month just to activate on their platform, plus a cost per uh, reservation that shows up tied into their, their hardware that they give you as part of the standard fee. So what a lot of people don't know is that there are platforms like TripAdvisor, OpenTable, Talk, which is this cool new like uh, thing that's out there. But all of these platforms are driving traffic. But in the back end, they have affiliate programs. So we don't necessarily need to actually, you know, if if we're trying to get a thousand businesses to onboard into our platform to generate revenue and to generate impact for them, we don't necessarily need to uh, go to every thousand businesses. We could just look at the list of the ones that are on the Open Table platform and tap into Open Table's affiliate program. So that is that is an interesting way that any startup, because let's talk wider picture and helping fellow startups in Kansas City. I think that's a big reason why we're here too, right? Um, look for the different revenue opportunities that already exist that you could tap into instead of a instead of unnecessarily creating a sales process to create your own revenue line. For any good startup, you want to diversify any kind of revenue product lines that you could create. But there's a lot of things already out there that you could just tap into to get you through that first three, six, nine, 12 months that are really difficult to showcase revenue. Um, and and also, it happens a lot with startups. You run out of funding, right? <laughs> Your burn rate, you know, 
catches up to you real quick and all of a sudden you're caught in between rounds and you're like, oh my God, how do we continue sustaining for the next three to six months before we get to our next raise, right? Well, as long as you have some additional options that are bringing you in revenue through kind of like that affiliate or referral method, that's going to be really beneficial to kind of stabilizing you in the early startup years. Yeah, you know, affiliate marketing is an amazing thing. I've, I've, I'm actually proud to say I've earned over a million dollars uh, revenue, like payments, as an affiliate marketer in my lifetime, um, which is I'm crazy. Pound right there, I'm giving you a uh, pound right here. Yeah, the virtual fist bump there. Now, I mean, a lot of that came through, you know, development of some proprietary technology I had when I still worked in the event ticketing and different stuff like that. But the beautiful part about affiliate affiliate marketing is it's all performance based, so you can theoretically scale a infinite number of boots on the ground or in the cloud or wherever. And here's the thing, you get paid when I do. And uh, so, and that's, that's the part of it. And I think one of the things I think it was very, very, that uh, was excellent advice to startups because you talk about running out of money, you're stuck between rounds. Like, and the problem is, is if you're starting on a bootstrap type budget, the, you know, a couple bad hires, it's game over. You're done. And, and salespeople that are good, they know they're good and they aren't cheap. So it's, you get, it's easy for early stage companies to get stuck in that middle. They're like, ah, and then you want to hire, you hire the wrong people. They don't do a good job. You're not selling stuff. You're running out of money. You know how that story goes. So yeah, the affiliate route. And, and the thing is too, is for, for those listening, there's a, there's literally, it, there are more affiliate programs, options, anything that you will ever be able to conceptualize. Like it's like the matrix, man. And, and, and that's a good thing for a marketer. It can put you in that same position as a seller though, where you're like one of four, one in 4 million. Um, but, but yeah, for the, for to be able to plug into an affiliate program is, is a good thing. Uh, one advice I will give though, is sometimes that can also be a process to develop one. Like if you have a web platform, you got to install different software, you got to do a bunch of different stuff. And then a lot of people, they get to that and then they put a little link in the footer and it's like, join our affiliate program. And then they, and then they never do anything with it and they spend the rest of their lives talking about how they tried to launch an affiliate program and it didn't work. No one signed up for it, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, you got, I mean, cause it's, if you're going to launch an affiliate program, you've got to be ready to market that as well. So now, by the way, I want to say DeMarco might be the politest guest that we've ever had on the show. This is always asking if, if Lindsay, if she would like to say something, I would like Lindsay's input about the future of affiliate, like the affiliate marketing, ask buddy, all that. Like, I mean, is, do you have, are there other approaches outside of that? I mean, what, what do you see for the future of the revenue of the platform? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I don't think that I've thought that deep into that before. DeMarco has, done a really good job leading up that side of things. And I've really taken on a strong role in the content and culture creation. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure I'd like, I would need more time to reflect on that question to give you a 
a solid well, answer I, for the pod. The content side of it is as a revenue piece. Uh, I mean, because because that's the thing is is you know I I mentioned making a lot of money as an affiliate marketer. It was through content marketing. I mean, we still do it. I mean, a podcast is content marketing. Um, a blog is content marketing. There's a whole lot of different pieces of content marketing. So with with the approach to revenue generation, I think you you inadvertently answered the question: Is the content piece of it is that intended to drive traffic and then revenue, or is this more about the content that's in the app? Like, because here's the thing: when I think about a restaurant full of full of in, independent stuff and local flavor. Is that what you're doing? Are you creating, are you writing pieces and stuff about all of that or is it different? Yeah. Okay. I totally understand where you're at. Um, <laughs> I think it goes back to what I was saying before about relationship building at the heart of it. Um, we're moving into a space where we want to begin to influence local tastemakers, local influencers and get their recommendations Again, we don't want to be a top 10 list. We want to be personalized for our users and our audiences, and then also have that authentic local flair to the experiences that we're offering. So to that end, all of the content that we're putting out, we want it to have that same uh, feeling to it, that it's local, it's authentic. It's exactly what you were saying before when you ask the person at the hotel or like your Uber driver a bartender, where they would go. That's the kind of content that we want to be putting out there. And um, that's how we want to drive our user acquisition and our revenue is just through the creation and advertisement of those local authentic experiences, whether that's on the website through our, our articles or on our Facebook or Instagram. So if they say if they say cash is king, then content is queen, um, and 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 it really is because we're in a content driven world. And you know, I know a lot of people listening. And once again, for those of you listening, go to askbuddy.co, uh, check them out on the gram, askbuddykc. You know, and 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 sign, get in there, mess around. I think they, the usership, you know, ask buddy something. Hey, buddy. So, you know, with that, the content piece of stuff, you know, I'll give you an example. Every day on the full scale, Monday through Friday, a quality article is published about something related to technology or entrepreneurship. I employ six writers, you know, and like that's like a major part of the full scale website. We've generated a quarter million unique visitors in the last 12 months. That took time. It took effort. Um, When it comes to the content piece of things, uh, did you fi- have you found it a little overwhelming when you look at it from square one and you're like, oh wow, you're like, I've got to eat this elephant. What's the best way to do it? Yeah, it's definitely overwhelming, but also it's just it really comes up. I mean, timing is everything. And um, when Demarco and I met on my personal Instagram, I was posting very often, like every weekend in Kansas City, things to do. Um, and my coworkers, friends, acquaintances that I didn't even talk to on a regular basis would come up to me or message me and say, please keep posting things to do this weekend. I never know that all of these things are happening in Kansas City. And I love it. I want to do it. So we knew from that and also from our research that people are looking for things to do every weekend. Um, so, you know, there's that timely content and then also the timeless content 
the evergreen content. So we're kind of trying to strike that balance between both. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. a big thing that Lindsay mentions, even um, probably uh, unconsciously, and it's something that it really is important to us, is the whole KYC or the know your customer notion um, that we talk a lot about. Um, she's really speaking directly about she knows what our market wants and she's giving it to them. And because of that, we're driving value for them. So as a startup and in general, yes, you have to create content to craft, to, to craft organic traffic, you know, because so, you, you can't throw money behind everything. You can't do advertising, everything you're going to lose. You're going to lose out on some authenticity and your conversion rates are going to be a little lower sometimes when you're doing an advertisement campaign, as opposed to a content or organic campaign. Um, but knowing who, Knowing who it is and the, the mind state of the person uh, that your customer is, is probably the most important thing to do before you start creating content, before you launch a campaign. It's how well do you know the needs of, of, of the people that you're trying to attract to your website? And then when you know those people, then when you know what their needs are, then start to create the content. Because you could spend six months create, you know, with 10 writers creating content that just doesn't hit. And then that becomes um, probably a bad investment. Now, in your case, I'm, time, sure, yeah. I'm sure in your case, you knew your customer very well. And, and you had your writers writing spot on articles that served the need, took people down the customer journey, helped them turn, help turn them from, oh, I haven't heard of anybody at I haven't heard of fullscale.io to, hey, I, I heard of fullscale.io to, yo, I really like fullscale.io. Let me share an article, you know, and understanding that customer journey and creating content for that customer journey is probably for us more important than pumping out, you know, hundreds of articles that are just going to sit there on the internet, SEO'd on Google page one, maybe, if it's what people are actually looking for and is not really going to be resonating. And we have to take a very intentional um, perspective as entrepreneurs and know this, that if you create content that is not hitting your customers where it needs to hit, you are losing brand value with every single article that you write because you might get those people to get to your website that are in your target uh, market, your cohorts. But if they start reading your article and it's not hitting, guess what's happening to the next time that they that they consider seeing your brand and going to get a piece of content? They're going to be like, oh, I already know that brand. They're not really hitting. They're not resonating with me. So that's something that I share with with other startups. Please, please, please know your customer. Have drinks with your customer. Spend some time with your customer at the very beginning before you start creating any kind of strategy for product development content development or publicity well you know you said something in there that has been near and dear to my entire process uh, over the years and you know you're talking about before you start creating a whole bunch of stuff like know who you're creating it for and why um, and I've learned this the, the hard way is trying it's basically through building software but trying to assume that we knew what users would want and, and, and that's, and that leads to lengthened production lines. It leads to just, it's, it's not, it, it, it inflates your cost. Yeah. And like you said, you're kind of like, sometimes you swing and you miss, like why build a feature that no one's going to benefit from. And, you know, it's, 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 it's the wrong way to do it. And instead, you know, you hear, there's a lot of cliche stuff. You hear the fail fast, and all that other stuff, but it exists for a reason. And that's because it is, 
it's advisable to, you know, hey, put it out there and see what people have to say, but you have to be willing to listen too. And and so it, 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 with that, it's very difficult to, it, it, without experience, to often understand what to listen to and what not to listen to. Because just because someone's telling you to do something, just because a user says, I need this, it doesn't mean you should build it. I mean, it certainly does not. Now that said, there's a very very easy way to start figuring out. And I always refer to listening to the echo because, hmm. um, and, and it was actually, it was, it was the, the editor of all three of my books that would use this term. He would say, you're, he would, he would, this has an echo, this has an echo. And that meant that in his sense, that would meant you were using the same phrases or saying the same things too often, too close. And it sounded like there was an echo in the room, but Based on that, I've realized that when it comes to feedback, input, a lot of different stuff, if it sounds like there's an echo and it's repeating itself, then there's probably some a validity to it. And I, I see I, I see a lot of people go down and their businesses go down in flames because they don't want to listen to the echo. And you know, they're like they there's a hundred reasons why everyone's wrong and they're right on the way to the canyon floor because they just jumped off the cliff. You know, and 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 it, there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said to that. So, so you know, with that, if if I would assume in your case, if people are asking for the same stuff, then that's an echo, and that tells you what to reply to or create or advise. Is that the premise of all this? Yeah, um, I think we're still learning the echo a little bit. Um, it really is at least for me, I really do feel the the early stage aspect of it. There's just so much learning to be done. And every day, I feel like we're learning a new, something new about our company, about our users, about the businesses that we're trying to partner with, or the influencers and what, what their recommendations are. So yeah, I definitely think that is awesome advice and that we're definitely trying to tap into that echo. And we, we see it from time to time. There are definitely those experiences that people are chasing after. So I, now I, I have a question for you. So, cause we, this conversation about ask buddy has turned into a, it's, it's straddling a line between personal with like people and an AI chatbot. So, I mean, I'm curious about what the approach is because, because, well, the thing is, is you, I don't know if you're going to get, maybe you're going to get the best of both worlds, but you know, and by the way, AI chatbot. Uh, well, okay. If you if, for those of you listening, Google the the Google AI bot phone call, and the, Google has actually built a, a chatbot that is so realistic that it, they had examples of it calling and making dinner reservations, or like an appointment for a haircut, and the people on the other end of the line have absolutely no idea they're talking to a, a chatbot. Now I know you guys are talking more text content. Am I correct? Yes. So, 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 like, what, what's the, what's the approach pattern look for that between bridging the gap between, like, hey, I'm talking to a robot, or oh, hi, Lin- hi, hi buddy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's it's great. What's happening with um, conversational commerce, which is really the industry that we're involved in, um, is that there's a lot of speculation as to where the industry is gonna to go towards uh, personality versus function or tool. Um, one of the greatest benefits that Google has is its 
It's simple, no frills. You type something in, you get results. It's a very good tool. That being said, a tool like a hammer is great to, uh, you know, get a couple of pieces of wood together with a nail, right? Then we're talking about the human component of, of the conversation, right? Um, the a AI typically when integrated um, in the human element through conversation, it's really about uh, interpretation of natural language through NLU. It's about analysis of emojis, analysis of the tone of voice, and really tapping into third-party data. There are some great examples of some startups that are using AI to really develop like a human-to-human -human approach. Remember that movie by uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, Her? That was kind of like a big a big story where it, it creates this kind of where is the line between what's human and what's not human? Um, what we have, what we can cite as evidence based on what we've already done interacting with people is that we've had hundreds of conversations already with people in Kansas City texting Buddy. And we, at the end of every beta conversation where we get some original information from them, what are they like? What are they interested in? through the AI chatbot, and then we deliver a result, we always give them a survey at the end of the conversation. And we always ask the questions in the survey. Hey, what did you think about the experience? The experience is the thing always, guys. If you're a startup company, tech company, retail, whatever, it's always the experience of it. It's You don't sell whatever the heck you think you sell. You're actually selling the interaction with the person that you're having that relationship with in process to sign them a product or a service. So what we found is that the emotional element or the human-ish kind of element at this point is not necessarily the thing that's going to, that is converting them into a happy customer. Now, that being said, we're very early stage. We're cognizant that maybe people want a friend to give them a recommendation. You know, in real life, yeah, you go to a bartender and you ask, hey, what are some great recommendations? But what you're really tapping into is you're tapping into data that they're giving you through a human connection or what feels like a human connection. So really, is there a concern that people are going to want an emotional connection um, in comparison to just a tool like Google? I think we'll, we'll find that out over the course of the next year as we start continuing to get thousands of people um, using Ask Buddy through either our website widget or our Facebook widget or WhatsApp or DMing us on Instagram or just texting uh, Ask Buddy directly, you know, like like they're texting a friend at 816-326-1977. So, you know, it, that, you're talking about that and I, can't, I wish I could remember the, the name of it. I used to live in Indianapolis and, and Indianapolis is the home to the guy that invented voicemail. Nice. Who would have thought who would have thought that that would have made you ridiculously rich from a licensing standpoint? But this guy was always uh, was always I mean, he this guy was like had startups everywhere. But there used to be a thing. And I, I wish I could remember it. You could text it and you could ask questions. And it was kind of like Ask Buddy, uh, like like to, it was I can't remember what it was called, but but it. it it, you know, you could actually work as an operator for this thing too. It was so early stage and it didn't fly at the time because, you know, but we, I remember sitting there and, you know, I mean, maybe after a few drinks or whatnot and, you know, just sitting there with a group of people and just texting in the most ridiculous questions 
on certain days. But, you know, the thing was, is it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, it was engaging and it, and it kept you asking more. And, you know, I think that that's the thing. I, I, I understand the approach a little bit now and I understand where the local flavor comes in because, you know, you look at these things, it's like, and, and as, a, uh, as you raise money and different things, it's people that don't understand or how is this different from Siri? Well, Siri's a search engine algorithm that's just probably showing you what's coming up first on Safari or wherever. Who knows? Safari, they probably use Google search now too, for all I know. But, but you know, with that, is, is that, that's, that's a different kind of search result as opposed to something that, uh, I mean, and that's the thing is, is, and that, and that could, be a strength or a weakness for the platform later. Cause in order to build that sentiment, you got to have someone. Well, the thing was, is with people and experiences is people have different tastes and desires. And like, you know, my wife doesn't care too much for my taste in musical and it, it, concerts. So she'll want to, you know, she'll be like, Oh, that sucked. And, you know, then something else to be like, Oh, that was the greatest show of my life or, you know, the same thing. So you know, a fan, I take it. You what? He's not a Carrie Underwood fan, I take it. Oh no, actually, she she was on that night. I think I can't remember. We went to a lot of events last year. Um, now you know it's well, it, you know, in that in that uh, in, in that same category, you know, I worked in the music industry for over a decade, so um, you know that part of that was I my only requirement. I just want it to be done well. And, you know, like you'd be shocked how many arena acts just literally are like, I'm like, oh my God, you're not even in tune. Like, <laughs> this is bad. Like, what the fuck? Like, how are you getting paid? How, why are all these people here? And then sometimes, you know, you, you, you're out of place. Like, for example, the Truman, right. which is a thousand seat venue at best that hasn't even been open that long. That is a more intimate, interesting feel and gets a lot of really interesting and flavorful mid-level acts. Like I'd much rather go, but here's the thing. You would never know that venue existed if you didn't have like ask buddy or a local guide or something like that. It's not even in a place that you would even drive by accidentally. It's like right next to getting on the highway and whatever, you know, it's like in the shadow of the venue I was just at, you know, and, and but but with that, those are some of the things, too. And, and you know, the and I, I think this is a real interesting concept because everything's about to change. And, you know, let's be realistic. I've been talking to my friends in the music industry, events, promotion, all of that. And some of them are like, you know what, we're fucked. <laughs> like they're just like, they're, I mean, restaurants shutting down and stuff like that. So on many ways, I mean, think about how that's going to pollute search, search, like, cause look, if your business just failed and you closed your restaurant, your first priority isn't to go update your Google maps. Nope. You're like, I'm trying to get out of here, you know, or I'm just trying to like do anything. And it's not, so, you know, for, from, I think that, that search and experience, advice is going to evolve tremendously because of that. And I can, that could be a big opportunity for you guys. Cause it's, you know, here's the thing is nothing's more annoying, especially if you're new in a town is driving somewhere and you're like, uh, where is it? Uh, it says it's here and you're, and you know, like you might even get out of your car. I did this once. I was like, is there a, is this supposed to be a, oh, that close two years ago. Yeah. You're like, really? You know? So 
you know, I think that that could be interesting. Well, once again, with us today, we've got DeMarco and Lindsay with Ask Buddy, and you can go to askbuddy.co and you can ask Buddy. That's ask cool. him a lot of stuff. Ask him a lot of stuff. Ask him how, what your ask Buddy what his favorite episode of Startup Hustle is. <laughs> and I would like to think that later this would come up. Because if it doesn't, then we need to talk about the curation of the local. Either that or Lindsay said earlier she had been listening to the podcast. Maybe she found it. Maybe she found an episode she likes a little better. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But buddy, buddy, you know, I like to I see Buddy is evolving. He might have some different taste. He might be like, you know what? I talk to you guys all the time. I really like this episode with Sandy Kemper or someone else. You know, so we'll see. There's really only one way to find out, and that's to go to askbuddy.co, get the app, ask him some questions, support some local stuff. I know a lot of you listeners are not here in Kansas City, and that's okay because I'm willing to bet that 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 these two would still like the user input. And and the thing is, is that when it comes to AI, chatbots, all that stuff. The more they get, the better they get. And that, that's, that's always the challenge is when you have an empty marketplace is how do you populate it? So, all right. So we end all of our episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. I'm going to give each of you and myself an opportunity. Well, you can do it. At, you, I, the, the listeners don't know that we can see each other. So, <laughs> and I said freestyle and, you know, DeMarco bobbed his head back and forth a little bit. Now, we talk about a lot of different things and a lot of different stuff in every episode of the show. And sometimes the guests would like an opportunity to resolve something, mention something, advise on something or really anything. Uh, it's a freestyle. Now I will, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to buy Lindsay time to prepare because I think she'll appreciate that. And I'm going to push DeMarco in front of the mic right now mm-hmm. and say, I, I say, talk to me, buddy. Sure. So guys, we, we're all human at the end of the day. And there's a lot of different things that we could do with our time. Um, but the most valuable thing is our time, more than our money, actually. Where we decide to spend our time and who we decide to spend our time with is by far the most important decision that we can make. And when, we're, and when you're thinking about traveling somewhere and trying to really have a great experience or and support local businesses that give you that local culture, it's going to make your life worth living. Or whether you live in Kansas City and you want to support local, especially after this time where they have been so significantly um, challenged. You know, I want you to keep in mind that focus on the experience that you want to have for yourself and for others, as opposed to just where can I go get something to eat? Where can I go get something to drink? Let me just go spend an hour and a half killing time before my next meeting. Make it more than that. Think about it in a bigger way, because believe it or not, when you decide to go spend an hour and a half intentionally in your mind looking at it as an experience, as opposed to where I'm going to spend 20 30 or $40 at, what's going to happen is that your value and your life experience is going to be enhanced dramatically. That's not a tough act to follow, is it, Lindsay? I'm not worried. I've been following DeMarco for a while now. <laughs> um, I, you know, I went to this this seminar once and I walked away with a really powerful message 
it was authenticity is your most competitive edge. And I think that works on an individual level and on an experiential level. And that's really what we're trying to do is bring that authenticity to everybody's experiences. Yeah, That's I all mean, I got. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. I mean, look, I, I've been doing this show for a while now, hundreds of episodes, and we have received a lot of feedback from a lot of people about a lot of different things. And the one thing that, you know, and I ask them like, well, what's kept you? I have people that have literally listened to every single episode after I'm done thanking them for their support. I'm like, well, what stuck, what, what kept you around? The authenticity, the, the genuine, the genuine conversation that we have with our guests and the fact that not only us, but them are willing to offer stories of not only success, but more often failure. And, you know, I, I, I spent my morning, I, I was doing some consulting with someone who, you know, was in North Carolina about uh, building a personal brand and talking with that and like, how do you do that? And the number one thing that I've learned is you got to be genuine. Because if you're not, no one gives a shit. Right. They're like, hey, there's just there's fake anyone. I mean, as far as 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 so much that needs to be done and so many of the different things that can be done, you know, you know, you're gonna win, you're gonna lose. And and be open, be honest, be genuine. <clears throat> we know when it comes to all that stuff, and people are gonna well, they're gonna take your input and your advice. You know, Lindsay, you mentioned earlier. Uh, being on the grant, was it was it Instagram and talking about where to go or what to do? Yeah. So you know that's the thing is is, is and what I wanted to close out on is if you're going to create content and you want anybody to care about it, it needs to offer something. It needs to and an offer that offering can be a few things that you know you can give advice. It can be entertainment. Sometimes it's compassion. Um, you know, and all that different stuff. But the thing is, is if if the content that you're creating related to your business or whatever you're doing doesn't offer anything, no one's going to pay attention. It's game over. No one's going to care. So, yeah, I think that in the end, the number one rule that has to come with all of that is what do you what do you have to offer? And and you might be surprised what you actually have to offer. So give it some thought, give it some consideration. I have a feeling that I have this sneaky feeling that Lindsay developed a bit of a following around Instagram on that. Am I right? A bit. Yeah. It, it, well, sure. But the thing is, is like you mentioned, like, well, look, look at anybody that people are listening to that, that calls himself an influencer or anyone that's listening, you know, or, or paying attention to whatever it is people are doing and they have something to offer. They really do. It is, it is, and it comes in a variety of packages and forms and flavors. But if you can figure that part out, then you can figure out how to, how to fuel your own business, your own marketing plan, everything you can and want to do. And here's the thing. You mentioned the value of your time is high, but at the same time, if you're an early stage, any, anything or anybody, you have time, you can invest time creating content, creating a marketing plan around that stuff. It's a long play. Um, it's not, you're not going to write two posts or three articles and you're like, wow, I went viral. Um, there's no such thing there, that, that overnight success that you hear about usually took about 12 years for someone to get there. I mean, you know, and it was, it was even Kylie Nichols at Nickel and Suede, a, a local startup that, 
that has grown to be pretty big was on the podcast talking about it. She's like, well, I was a, I was an overnight sensation as a blogger after eight years, you know, and it's like, you know, that's the whole thing. So you got to get after it. You got to keep after it. And, you know, like I said, be genuine, be true. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.